Hello, Hospitality MD podcast listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Hospitality MD podcast. As always, we appreciate your continued support. If you did not have a chance to check out last week's episode with the king of customer service and experience, Shep Hyken, be sure to give it a listen. Shep has a new book out called I'll Be Back, so please check it out. This week, we have the pleasure of welcoming Zach Weigel of Gamers Outreach to the show. Gamers Outreach is a fantastic charity organization that provides children's hospitals with gaming go-karts to help reduce the anxiety and stress that comes with being in a hospital. We also have a special announcement at the end of the episode, so please be sure to stay until the very end. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hospitality MD podcast. Today's episode is a true epitome of our belief and conviction that hospitality is everyone's business. Um, For those of you who've been following us, uh, know that we are hoteliers at heart and by nature, uh, but hospitality is everyone's business. And of course, that means that this podcast is accessible to anyone who shares that same conviction. So with that being said, Zach Weigel is our guest. He is the founder of Gamers Outreach. Zach, welcome to the show. How are you, my friend? Hey, thanks for having me, Kyle. I'm doing pretty well. Well, good. And it's uh, my pleasure to have you on. So um, I will, I'll let you kind of explain what it is that you do. Um, and of course, my hint to the audience is that it's not hotel related. However, it is certainly hospitality related. So Zach, what is Gamers Outreach? What do you do? Um, what is that contraption behind you there? All the questions. Sure. Yeah, well, I'll start by explaining a little bit about Gamers Outreach. For the last 14 years, I've been running this organization, Gamers Outreach, and we are focused on making play more accessible inside hospitals. And we do that through video games. So my team and I have been on this quest to help hospitals manage video game content at scale for kids and families who are stuck in long-term care, uh, or even maybe just coming in you know, to the hospital for... Uh, perhaps just a visit during the day. And um, the reason we're working with video games is because we think video games can provide kids with access to play at scale. So games are kind of unique in that if a hospital has access to video games, they can provide all the kids and families with activities, regardless of age, regardless of physical circumstance, at the same time. And that's really powerful because if you think about a children's hospital nowadays. Um, oftentimes they have a playroom and that's great. It's, it's good if kids can get out of their room, but that room is really limited in terms of how many kids can be there at a certain time. And also you might have kids that can't get to that room for whatever reason. Then if you think about some of the volunteer groups that might come by a hospital, magicians, therapy dogs, music, music therapists, they're all wonderful as well, but they can only really support so many kids day to day at a given, you know, in a given period of of time. But with video games, we could potentially allow all the kids in the hospital, as mentioned, to have access to play, to be able to go to the outside world and communicate with their friends. And it wouldn't necessarily matter how old they are because a a five-year-old likes to play certain Xbox games as much as a 20-year-old might like to play certain Xbox games. So we're trying to create this sort of baseline layer of activity 
within children's hospitals. Uh, and right now we support about 230 healthcare facilities, primarily in the U.S., and we estimate all the devices we've deployed are enabling somewhere between 2 to 2.5 million play sessions each year. So that's to your second question. One of those devices uh, is called a go-kart. It's actually right here behind me. We construct these portable video game kiosks for hospitals. Uh, and go-kart is just an acronym in our case. stands for Gamers Outreach Cart. It seemed clever at the time, so we've kept, <laughs> kept going with it. Uh, but this is I a love tool... It. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. This is a tool that hospitals use to help manage video game devices. So usually there's an Xbox or a PlayStation and healthcare staff can wheel it room to room. So if kids are recovering or they're in bed for a long period of time, or maybe they just can't move around very easily, this is a way for them to have access to video games and be able to have some fun while they're recovering. And that's what we're focused on. We're trying to help make hospitals more fun. So for those who are listening, the audio only and you can't see the device, or for those who are seeing it, but have spent very little of any time in a hospital setting, like Zach, what this is reminding me of is like a, uh, an ultrasound uh, machine or, or uh, uh, it, it looks like it's a part of the hospital infrastructure. Like I can see the design being very relevant and thoughtful to uh, the specific location of a hospital and the way that you, you have it, um, the way that you have it set up here. Um, I mean, it, it looks like a piece of hospital equipment because it's designed to be in a hospital, right? Yeah. So yeah, I can exactly. tell that you were intentional about that. No, hyper-intentional. Um, and, you know, I'll give you a very small example. Um you probably can't see it in the shot. I'm a little hesitant to move my webcam just because sometimes it'll, <laughs> I think it'll freeze when I do that. But the wheels of the cart are pretty thick casters. And this is just, again, small example. Um, well, this thing is getting wheeled around all the time. And ideally it's going to live in a hospital for years. I mean, we have some gaming carts that were delivered to hospitals back in 2009 that are still rolling around and functioning. Right. So this thing is going to go over elevator, um, you know, grommets in the floor, it's going to go over bumps. It's important to think about how this is going to function and how, like what sort of, uh, you know, durability is necessary to withstand the general day-to-day -day use it's going to encounter in hospitals. Well, that's a little different than like the wheels you might find on a typical office chair that might be like a lot smaller because there's expectation that you might have some sort of plastic mat in your living room or your office. And so it's not like the chairs can be moved around a ton. So yeah, we built this thing to be a tank. Uh, the goal is for it to live in hospitals for years and provide kids with access to play. And um, we also want it to be familiar to hospital staff. So um, to your point, it actually is very much inspired by what are called computers on wheels or workstations on wheels. Uh, oftentimes, if you go to a hospital, you'll notice they have all sorts of kind of mobile um I'll call them like technology hubs or they have mobile computers that help them manage patient information day to day and various things happening in the hospital. And so what we did was we took inspiration from those devices and made sort of a version that is constructed for video games. And that's the, a lot of the design philosophy behind the go-kart is informed by that. I think that's just awesome. Uh, like, cause you can really see it probably in the wheels, you know, I can kind of imagine what, what the wheels look like, but also in the, uh, the handle that goes all the way around. So it can be grabbed and moved kind of from any location without really 
thinking like a tank and like any of the other hospital equipment. So I think the design itself is worth noting. It's notable and it it's uh, it, certainly relevant. So um, I'm sure the hospital staff certainly appreciate that, uh, even if the kids that are benefiting from it maybe don't notice uh, the the work that went into the design as much. Um, so Zach, I'm curious, uh, we're a hospitality podcast, right? So, and what you're doing is very hospitable um, and you're servicing hospitals. So we're using this, this word a lot. Um, and I'm curious to know for you, if you recognize that it's, that what you're doing is hospitable, number one, like if, if that's something that you you are conscious of and aware of and if that drives your your mission forward um and also what kind of experience you have with feeling hospitality like do you have like an enunciation moment like were you ever in the hospital and had to go through this or witnessing somebody you were close to like where does that hospitality come from to make this possible Yeah, great questions. I do feel what we do is a form of hospitality. I mean, I think arguably, well, first off, when I think about Gamers Outreach and our team collectively, when we discuss our work, we see ourselves as a video game brand that happens to work in hospitals. So we're a gaming organization that is focused on making play more accessible in the healthcare setting. And so I think about it, you know, or from that perspective, if you if you consider the entertainment industry broadly to be sort of side by side with hospitality, certainly we fall into that category. I would argue, um, you know, entertainment obviously is quite broad. You're, you're talking about many different disciplines that come together to ultimately, you know, produce a sense of joy and excitement and all sorts of emotions in people's lives. And uh, so, yeah, we we for sure fall into that category in some ways. Um, I wouldn't say that we necessarily walk around each day, you know, using the word hospitality to describe sure. what we do, but definitely as video game enthusiasts and as a video game brand, um, and particularly in our case where we're supporting patients and families in these environments, um, yeah, I think it's a pretty easy uh, justification to say that we're, um, you know, we could be defined as like a sort of a hospitality entity in some ways. Um as far as my personal experience, you know, thankfully I have not been in the hospital myself um, for an extended period of time. The way Gamers Outreach got started was, although that said, I, I did have mono as a young person. So I, um, the way Gamers Outreach got started was I actually developed an interest in hosting video game tournaments because I had been sick for like my entire junior year of summer break. And I missed all my like sports practices for football season that year. And um, during the time, I mean, I'd been playing video games a lot already as a young person, you know, I'd grown up, my dad was a computer science major. We always had computers around the house. I had grown up playing games on top of going to school, being in a band, playing sports, kind of the normal extracurricular activities, you know, kids engage in, but video games are the consistent hobby. And I would continue to come back to them whenever I was at home. And so it just happened this particular summer. I got really good at this game, Mortal Kombat. Um, like I was putting in tons of hours in competing online. It was the first Mortal Kombat uh, where you could actually like match up against people on the internet on PlayStation 2. 
And uh, I got ranked in the top 40 out of like 30,000 some players at one point. Like I was like in these leaderboards kind of bouncing around and nice. um, it was intense. Yeah. That's my, this is my one like esports boast. I had like spent a lot of time playing this game. You peaked um, Zach. You peaked. That was it. That was literally, <laughs> I mean, it really was. Uh, and I, I think of, I think of fighting games kind of like rock, paper, scissors really fast. Like when you're playing uh, street fighter or mortal Kombat, in my case, you're basically trying to anticipate what another character is going to do and then know how to react to that, that, that action. Um, anyway, not to digress. I, because of that developed an interest in hosting in wanting to participate in video game tournaments. Selfishly, I wanted to boast of my friends when I got back to school about how much time I had spent playing this game. It just so happened. I was really the only kid in my school who was playing mortal Kombat. Everybody else was playing other games like halo, which I also played casually uh, so when I wanted to organize a, a tournament, um, all my friends were like, dude, you know what would be better than Mortal Kombat? Halo. And so I'm not making a case one way or the other. I'm just saying that was the feedback they gave me. And we started organizing Halo tournaments. I started organizing Halo tournaments as a young person. And um, one of my events got shut down by a police officer who thought video games were corrupting the minds of America's youth. Ouch. Long story, uh, folks can read about it on our website if you'd like, but it just so happened there was a, a person in our local public safety department who um, was not a fan of the idea of young people coming together to compete in a video game tournament within the facilities of a high school. He called my school district superintendent, told her he believed video games were corrupting the minds of America's youth, kids were training themselves to kill, playing violent video games. And that because of that, our event was a hazard of public safety. And um, he basically had just sort of personal disagreements around the content uh, that we were going to be, uh, you know, viewing during this tournament uh, in the game Halo. Now, I've grown up playing video games my whole life. Um, you know, personally speaking, I don't find content in Halo to be really any worse than what you'd see on primetime television. In fact, the argument I made was I just got in high school. I was in this film as a literature course. I mean, we watched the movie blow with Johnny Depp where he's like a cocaine dealer, you know, like <laughs> and all sorts of crazy stuff is happening in that movie and they have parental consent forms. And it was like, it was justified to happen. So it's like, why is it that that's okay? And this isn't like, we're not looking for you. My, my feeling was like, we weren't looking for our local police department to dictate like the moral activities or the moral high ground of our school. I had just happened to call this police department looking for like T-shirt security to come help in my event. And so happened the guy who picked up the phone had this opinion about the video game industry and, and video games broadly. Well, I was really frustrated by that as a gamer, because again, as I mentioned, I have been a lifelong video game enthusiast. I would deal with flack from coaches and teachers all the time as a young person, because I was so passionate about games. Anytime I had a school project, I would make it about video games uh, whenever I was in sports practice and I was talking to friends, we were always chatting about video games. And I was so frustrated that these stereotypes had like actually manifested to the extent that it was affecting an event I organized for like 300 other kids. I mean, I'd already done all this work to like put this event together. Yeah, that's heartbreaking. I can't imagine, honestly, I can't imagine. Well, especially when you're 17, right? Because everything's a bigger deal in your mind when you're a high schooler, right? Like, oh my gosh, I've just spent the last three months of my life working on this thing. Three months is a significant period of time when you're 16, 17 years old, right? Like that's the length of a summer break. So it was a big deal to me that that this happened. And I thought to myself, you know, this is an opportunity for us to actually demonstrate the positive things that happen when gamers get together around what we're passionate about. Let's organize a new event for charity. We called it Gamers Forgiving. 
And we decided to take the money from ticket sales and donate to a charitable cause to at least demonstrate, again, as mentioned, all the good things that can happen when gamers get together around what they're excited about. Now, at that time, as a young person, I had never really been involved in a charitable cause. But it wasn't because I wasn't necessarily interested. I think in hindsight, it was because the opportunity to be involved had never been presented to me in a way that I connected with. So, but I did know video games. And when we hosted our first event, it went well. And I could see the impact we were having. That, for me, opened my eyes to the value of being involved in your community, the importance of giving back, the personal sense of fulfillment that comes from that the impact it has in the lives of others. So I looked at it as like, this is really fun. Why should we stop doing this? We had a great turnout. We're doing it for a good cause. The gaming community was happy. I had fun organizing it. We did good for other people. This is great for all the reasons. This is great. Uh, hospitality, right? That's the, it's a, it's a broad topic. I mean, you, you, people probably are involved for similar reasons, right? You're doing good for others and it's fun to do that. It's, it's a fulfilling field of work. So that's how I got started. And I accidentally discovered through that process of evaluating charitable causes that my local hospital was having a difficult time providing kids with activities. And they had specifically requested video games, given I was running you know, this video game tournament, it seemed relevant to them. And it was relevant to my community. But the thing I noticed as a donor was they were having a difficult time managing devices. So they had asked me to buy them a bunch of handhelds and like, you know, Game Boys and PSPs at that time. But I was kind of concerned because I felt, you know, if I'm going to have to, it seems like it's a matter of time before these things get lost or stolen. I might have to refundraise and buy these same devices, you know, year over year as kids, you know, leave the hospital, accidentally take them home. Maybe one gets lost, et cetera. What if we create you guys some tools that will allow you to ensure these are maintained in your facility indefinitely for long periods of time? And that's how the gaming cart came about. Actually, the go car was our first sort of program to help hospitals easily maintain their existing devices as well as devices we were planning on donating. So it all started with my local hospital out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Fast forward 14 years, as mentioned, now we're in hospitals all around the country. I work from Los Angeles. We have a team of people now at Gamers Outreach. um, And we're, as gamers, it just seems obvious to us. Like I walked into the hospital and recognized like video games can change your people's world. It can change the world of the kids and families. I know because even though I haven't been in a hospital, I know the value of games in my life. I just spent the last summer stuck in my house because I I didn't feel like going outside. I was able to play video games that whole time. When I got my wisdom teeth out, I had to sit for two weeks, you know, wait to heal up. It was great. I got to play Mass Effect 3, eat mac and cheese every day. It was wonderful. I look back on that phone. I don't remember the pain or the annoyance of having my wisdom teeth out. I remember playing a lot of Mass Effect 3. When I had mono, I don't remember being sick with mono. I remember getting really good at Mortal Kombat and wanting to organize tournaments. And now that's the that was the impetus for the whole career that I have now. So that's the that to me is the key underlying, you know, that's the, the key piece of understanding is, you know, obviously being in the hospital itself adds a whole nother layer of complexity and things that can really stress people out, understandably. Um, but even so, the the end result is about, or the end sort of hope is to create a sense of normalcy for kids and families going through these experiences so that they remember or deal less with the stress of being in a hospital and are more cognizant of the fun times that are being created, even in that environment. 
Yeah, I think like critical to um, kind of echo and and uh, dissect a little bit is exactly the what you just said, the sentiment of the anxiety and stress that people have when they're in a hospital because the setting that they're in is significant. Like, yes, video games are so like on a macro level, like you mentioned in your life, so important to people um, because they allow you to, I mean, what is a video game? You're, you're maneuvering an avatar through a world and you're getting to control the outcome, I guess, within the limitations of that, that game, which is so cool. Like that's so much fun for people. Um, and it, you know, it allows you to, to live and act, uh, in, in a controlled simulated environment. And it, it, it's exploratory for people and it builds confidence and self-esteem in people and critical thinking. So I'm not one of those people who thinks that uh, kids minds are being corrupted by video games. Like, I think it's actually like so important for kids to play video games um, because it's an, it's an easy and accessible way for them to navigate an environment with limitations, just like we do in the real world. Um, So I think it's super practical, but like you said, you add the hospital element to it um, and kids are anxious and their families isolated. Um, Oftentimes they can be depressed when they're there. Uh, You know, they're, they're in their own little bubble and you basically open up the four walls into like a, a, essentially limitless world, I guess, within the confines of that video game or video games that they get to play. Totally. Um, and do you mind, let's talk about that for a second, yeah, because yeah, one of the, definitely. one of the pieces of our work that we see regularly is this fact that we often are working with kids that physically cannot leave their rooms and they're missing out on a lot of the traditional activities that are key factors during childhood development. For example, participating in, quote, normal sports, right? Kids can't go on the soccer field. They can't play football. They're physically stuck in these hospitals. Um, And even if they get out of the hospital, there are some kids we work with that, for various reasons, aren't going to have access to those opportunities from a health standpoint. Here's a question I think worth asking. What is the value of kids playing sports throughout middle and high school? We know not all kids are going to grow up and become professional athletes. I mean, a very tiny percentage. So why bother? Why risk injury? Why go through the motions of doing that? Well, the reason is, at least in my opinion, as someone who played sports as well, is that sports teach a variety of core values that transcend into society at large. Teamwork, perseverance, a sense of community, right? Work ethic, uh, I mean, I threw up a lot <laughs> when I was running track back in back in high school. I mean, there's there's definitely some perseverance there when you're doing some of those sprinter workouts. Now, um, that's great. Those are all things that that people can take uh, life lessons that you know people integrate into their daily lives as they grow into adults, and it's important stuff. I don't believe kids in hospitals should miss out on those values. I don't think they should miss out on those life lessons. But the trick becomes. We have to communicate with those kids in a way that's relevant to that. So exactly to your point, Kyle, you know, when, when we're working with a child who physically can't 
kick a soccer ball around, right? Um, how do we communicate things like teamwork, sportsmanship to them in the hospital? Well, if he gets upset, if little Johnny gets mad because he loses a game and throws his headset on the ground and is frustrated and wants to quit, that's an opportunity for me as a caregiver to step in and say, hey, Johnny, actually, let's say good game to the other player. Let's pick up your headset and let's get ready for the next game. Like, let's get into the next one. What did you learn from that loss you just experienced? What would you do differently to try to win the next game? That's an opportunity for me. Suddenly we're talking about sportsmanship, right? We're talking about about perseverance. We're talking about recovering from failure. These are things that happen all the time in video games. It's just really obvious because we work in hospitals where the other activities aren't available. There's, there's less distraction because you're just focused on this one thing. So it's clear like, okay, well in this environment, of course, video games are a tool that can help us communicate and engage with kids. So I think for our standpoint, you know, I, I spoke about this at a, a sports conference a handful of years ago. Um, it was making this point, like, you know, in our case, video games serve this role And that's why I actually believe there's quite a bit of synergy between sports and video games in that way, because I think at the end of the day, there's opportunity to communicate that same, those same core values and some of those, those same core messages that are are so important to both. Um, Now I'll take it a step further and expand a little bit on something you said. If that is true in hospitals, I would argue it's also true in society at large. You touched on a great point, which is the fact that Oftentimes, games are conduits for social activity. I mean, I'm 31 years old now. I have a younger brother who lives uh, actually in Vegas, and so he's about four or five hours away. You know, we we might have a phone call once in a while to catch up, and, you know, sometimes I'll visit and whatnot. Um, But we also play video games together. And through video games, we stay connected. We have a source of activity. People take for granted how often our communication and camaraderie comes from a a shared sense of activity. Video games are an activity. They're one of many activities we can choose from in life, thankfully, that help us cultivate a rich living experience. So I don't see games as a form of escapism. I see games as being additive to my life. When I play games, I'm not trying to escape from anything. I love life. Life is great. I want to add games into my life because they provide additional benefit. And they provide these opportunities to exercise creativity, have social opportunities, um, explore worlds, all the reasons you mentioned. Um, And then, of course, I would also argue games can be a gateway to kids learning about computers and becoming familiar with technology, right? I mean, we're living in this world. You and I are talking through webcams right now. Who invented this stuff, right? Who invented Zoom? I mean, people, to to become a programmer and, and become interested in computer science, you have to help kids become interested in computers. How can you do that? By video games, through play. We all learn through play. We become interested in things that are fun. We learn about things through fun. It's sort of like learning to read. When kids are learning to read, you want to introduce them to what they like, things they like to read until they like to read. Like, you know, you want kids to be reading what they like until they like to read. That was the quote I was looking for. And that's so important because it's same, the same in games. I have so many friends that started out playing video games and have since gone on to create multi-million dollar software companies, but they started by coding a bot in StarCraft, 
coding a chat client for Discord, right? Like doing these other little hacker projects that help them with whatever fun thing they were doing to be like, oh, wait a minute, if I can do this, I can also build something else for this other industry. So anyway, that's my soapbox. I'll get off my, my, my soapbox here, but I just think you're people, for whatever reason, culturally, games have had to kind of fight these stereotypes. And it's fair to say, I think that maybe there, you know, is there such a thing as too much screen time? Of course, if you sit all day, every day, like there are going to be consequences for that. You can't just like sit and expect, you know, your body's going to take care of itself. That's not how, (laughs) that's not not how nature works, but games can be integrated into our lives, I think in a very healthy way. Um, And that's what we're all about. Well, I got to say this. I really just love your enthusiasm, number one. Um, And I I think a critical piece of of the video game that I don't think we mentioned yet, and I think especially for kids in the hospital, but anybody at large, is self-esteem as well. Because especially for for, uh, children or adults or anybody who doesn't get to participate in the traditional uh, means of socialization, like sports uh, or even, you know, like, uh, like I didn't play sports, but I was in marching band, uh, Mm -hmm. which is like all those things, self-esteem, teamwork, camaraderie, perseverance, um, commitment to repetitive uh, attempts to get better and better at something. Um, and for a kid in the hospital, they might have low self-esteem because they, they just think, what am I, all I'm, all I'm good for is just here sitting in the hospital. Well, no, you're there, you know, with video games, you can learn that somebody else is relying on you if you're playing with another person or you're playing with a team and your contributions are vital to the, um, survival or progress or prosperity of the other people you're working with. So you learn that you inherently have value. I think you can kind of deduce that over time and maybe the kids don't realize it in the moment, but I think they're building that up that they inherently provide and add value to whatever situation they're in and to their families and to their tribe or whoever's in their circle. Um, and that, uh, you know, uh, it, it doesn't have to be, traditional stuff because like you said we're in this world now where we're talking on on uh on uh, webcams and the world is is technology now and esports are gonna be just as big if not bigger than probably the nfl at some point in in the future um you know so it's the self-esteem thing i think is critically huge uh component of this um, because like, I, I know what it feels like to be, and I haven't been in the hospital for, for six months at a time, seven months at a time, like some of the kids have been, but I've, you know, been in the hospital, you know, with, I've had my heart valve replaced three times now and been in the hospital for, you know, a few weeks at a time. Um, and then post hospital have during gym class have to sit and watch on the wall with no other option, like that kind of stuff. And it's your self-esteem does start to deteriorate at that point. And I can only imagine for kids, um, especially seeking social validation at a young age who are, who have to go through that for a really, really long time. Um, it's not only is it 
hard to deal with in the present, but it's hard to bounce back from in the future because those formative years as a kid are so, so, so crucial. Every one of them counts. Every month counts. Every week counts. Um, Have you noticed, like, you've been with the kids in the hospital, right? I I assume that you've been boots on the ground with them, playing with them, um, you know, visiting the hospitals that that your uh, go-karts are in. Have you been able to witness like the transformation of mentally of, of kids pre oh, yeah. and post? Yeah. Like, tell me, tell me a little bit about like any case studies or examples that you can think of, of, of kids kind of coming back to life. Yeah. I mean, you know, so we have, um, we've seen games help with the healthcare process in a number of ways. Um, you know, a story I tell somewhat regularly is um, this particular instance where there was a kid who had a really severe burn on the side of his arm. And every few days, nurses were coming in to change out bandages. Well, it's a pretty anxiety-inducing process, right? It's painful. Um, I mean, I don't like taking off a Band-Aid, let alone, you know, a whole, imagine a whole thing on your arm. It's not, not great. Um, well, it got to a point where like six nurses were holding this kid down to complete the procedure because they're so worked up about it. Until someone found out he liked playing Lego Batman. And they wheeled in one of our gaming cards, let him play the game for a little while one day before this procedure was supposed to happen. And by the time the nurses were ready to change out his bandages, it went from six nurses helping this kid down to two. One, to hold one end of the controller so this kid could keep playing his game. The other, to hold his arm and change out the bandage. His only concern was whether or not he could finish his boss battle. So suddenly, this kid has gone from being really anxious you know, physically giving the nurses a hard time resisting treatment to, Hey, I'm good. Just like, let me focus on my game. And can you help me continue playing? Well, that's pretty tremendous to consider because suddenly, you know, this kid's having a better healthcare experience. Thanks to video games. The nurses are having an easier time doing their job. It's not like they're trying to cause more pain for this kid. Obviously they're just trying to like help them heal. And then on top of that, there's an economic argument to be made for the hospital because the four other nurses could go support other patients they can go back to providing care and being less concerned about, um, you know, needing to reinforce uh, a particular situation where maybe less nurses are needed. So, and that helps all the other patients. And then, so that's great. That's, that's just, I think a very, you know, obvious example where games are being introduced and they're helping kids in these situations. Um, You know, there's another child uh, that we're familiar with who was waiting on a heart transplant. And he actually was in the hospital for about nine months. During that time, the doctors wouldn't let him leave his room because they were worried if something were to happen to his heart, they were going to have to try to keep him alive. And during that period of time, um, he basically was under house arrest, right? Like he's not, wasn't even able to really go into the hallways outside of his room. Well, his mom was telling us, you know, if it hadn't been for Minecraft, she said her son would have gone insane because at least he had access to this digital playground where during that time he could see his friends, you know, have some sort of access to the outside world and have some sense of agency. I think that's a big part that, you know, a lot of people don't realize is when you're in the hospital, you have all these people telling you what to do every single day, telling you what to eat, telling you where you need to be, what you can and can't do. So being able to give kids a bit of freedom to where they're making decisions and they're in the driver's seat is so critical for development and that sense of empowerment and, giving them some confidence, as you sort of mentioned. Um, and I think games can fill that role. And thankfully, this particular child, like, everything's great. He was able to get a transplant. He's good now. But 
um, you know, during his time in the hospital, I mean, that's, that's, he's 13 years old, right? I mean, middle school was pretty awkward for me. And I'm sure it's awkward for a lot of people, you know, it's a, they're critical development years. Um, it's, it's harder to go through that when you're, by the way, also in the hospital separated from your friends, right? So games are helping to restore a sense of normalcy in that regard. Something else I'll mention as well, you know, I always think about video games as being this digital playground, right? Like when, when kids grow up, like when I was growing up, there was this playground in my neighborhood and I could go to the playground, but day to day, really the only other kids for the most part who were around to play with were the other kids that happened to live in my neighborhood, right? Friends by proximity, I like to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't really have much of a choice. If I was going to go to the playground, I was either going to be by myself or I had to get along with the kids who were in my, my community. With the internet and with games as sort of, again, this like activity platform, if you will, that's layered on top of the internet, suddenly you don't need to be limited just by your proximity. You can go online and find your tribe. You can go online and have access to this digital playground that is no longer just limited to your local sandbox. It encompasses the entire world. And that's what I think is also so amazing about games, right? I mean, when I was in school, I had multiple friend groups um, that all kind of filled for me, selfishly speaking, like a different role in my life. I had friends that I played sports with. I had friends that I played music with. When I would go home, I had friends who maybe cross over and would play games online with me, but I also had friends on the internet. I had friends that I had met through these games and we shared, you know, guilds together in World of Warcraft or we, you know, um, you know fought battles together in, in Starcraft, you know? So there's there's all sorts of, I think, application to what you're describing. And really, I think though, a key point to also emphasize is that you know, and this is tough, but some responsibility of parenting, I think, is like helping kids navigate the growing opportunities that come from uh, or that can be inspired by games. I definitely agree. Like the idea of restarting after you've failed at a task is a lesson that is taught again and again in video games. Like, hey, just because you messed up doesn't mean it's the end. You can keep going. Ironically, in school, if you mess up, it's like kind of catastrophic. Oh my gosh, you might have to repeat your grade. It's going right. to delay you a year. Uh, it's like, well, maybe not. I mean, what if I what if I could just learn relearn the material quickly and actually, you know, do this again in a few weeks as opposed to like a whole school year? Why is it structured that way? So, there's games can I think teach kids that there's and people generally not just kids. There's this opportunity to get up and start over again. And I think a great parent is one that engages with their kid in that way, helps them identify and extrapolate those lessons from games, uh, as opposed to just being uninterested or, or arbitrarily limiting screen time, um, is my opinion. Now, and granted, I'm not a parent yet. I'm just speaking from the example. I feel like my parents maybe unintentionally provided to me. Um, and thankfully I now have a career because of that, but, um, I, I do believe if parents, take a position of straight up disallowing games, they're really doing a disservice to their kids because they're therefore also limiting their opportunities to, I think, be exposed to technology and software uh, during a period of time where that stuff is more important than ever. Well, and I think when I hear you say it, it the games teach people that, you know, if, if you fail or you mess up or you're down, 
you can get back up, you can try again, you can respawn and you can, and you can start again and you can take what you learned and try again and be smarter about it the next time and take something away that benefits you moving forward. And how fitting for a child who has to spend time in the hospital, if they're down for six months, two weeks or nine months or a year, when they come back, their life isn't over. It's not too late. They haven't, they have, they're, they're not done yet. They're not, it's not too late for them. They can bounce back and, in a few years, it's like they, they, that time that they were out of commission, if you will, is it's almost like you wouldn't even know that they were out of commission. They actually, as a matter of fact, they might even be more emotionally intelligent and, and maybe even more mature than some of the other kids because of their lived experience and going through something like that. Um, so I just see so many parallels um, between the games and even just like the experience of, of being in the hospital. Um, and I, I, I don't, I have limitless respect for what you guys do. Um, I was telling you off record and I'll tell the audience too. I am like 99% sure that I was actually have benefited from one of the, the go-karts at a certain point in, in uh, my life when I was in the hospital. And I know for a fact that for those of you who've been following, you know, that at the beginning of this year in March, I had open heart surgery and I was actually at, um, and in Robert E. Lurie Children's Hospital in Chicago, which has plenty of uh, gamers outreach go-karts uh, at their facility. And, you know, as a 23-year-old at the time, I guess I wasn't the first priority to get one of those, but I did see them. I did see them. Uh, so it, it's great to, to kind of come full circle. I know firsthand the power that this has on kids, especially those who are in the hospital. Now, uh, before we wrap up the interview, I know you guys do uh, player two volunteering. Um, so I want anybody who's interested in volunteering for you to be able to kind of guide them in the right direction on that. And then also uh, your uh, annual charity event, uh, Gamers for Giving, right? Mm -hmm. um, yep. Tell us about that so we can be ready for when, when that happens. Yeah. And volunteering, donating, like what can we do to be hospitable to you? Totally. Yeah. We've talked a lot about the go-karts. Let me give you the rundown on what else we're up to here at Gamers Outreach. So first off, if anyone wants to learn more, you can check out our website, gamersoutreach.org. Um, there you'll find how to donate, how to get involved, volunteer opportunities, and you can just generally keep up with news that's happening in our world. Yeah. And um, the link to that will be in the description guys. So just we'll make it easy on you. Fantastic. Uh, Kyle asked about one of our other programs, Player Two. So we have a, a handful of volunteer opportunities that uh, arise within these hospitals we work. Sometimes they're one-off opportunities. Maybe we're looking for somebody to come by and set up a gaming card or repair equipment or apply an update. Um, and, and those are like, I'd say, you know, fairly minimal commitments, maybe a few hours out of the day. Player Two is an ongoing volunteer opportunity. We've been looking for volunteers in a select number of hospitals to come in and basically be digital activity managers. So distribute games, play games with kids, help solve tech support challenges that arise. You could think of it as like Best Buy Geek Squad, but gamers <laughs> in the hospital. That's what we're kind of trying to do. And it's all in an effort to, help, again, help hospitals 
manage equipment and become more knowledgeable about games and what sort of gaming opportunities they could be providing to patients. Um, I will mention that that is a pretty limited volunteer opportunity. I think one thing we probably need to do a better job of is describing to people like, you know, if, if we have a hospital, for example, where that's an option where we might only be looking for like a couple of volunteers who can commit like a semester of time once a week to coming by to the hospital. So when we take applications for that, we really are looking for maybe even ideally people who might be medical students who maybe need to put hours into a hospital, et cetera. Uh, but everybody should still apply. If you have interest, definitely fill out that form. But again, more broadly, we also have other volunteer opportunities as well. Sometimes there's, we just need help with a go-kart setup. In fact, just this morning, uh, we had someone in Dallas who went to a hospital to help set up a, a go-kart. So pretty straightforward, nice. took a, a couple hours, right? And it's it's just something that's helpful for the hospital. The go-karts aren't super complicated to set up, but um, if, if somebody can come by and you know save the hospital a bit of time, it it helps them continue about their day providing care. So that's that's a wonderful thing. Um, we have a, two, a couple other initiatives that there aren't dedicated program pages on our website yet, but one is called Portal, and we're basically building the software platform that turns hospitals into gaming centers. Uh, it's kind of like Netflix, but mm. for video games in the hospital. And um, if any of your audience members have been to like an esports arena or a land center, we're basically taking a lot of the same tools that are used to manage content in those places and accounts, and we're giving them to hospitals in an effort to manage video game content for the kids and families. It's super cool. You kind of have to watch. We like posted a blog about it uh, a few months ago. Uh, we're working on it right now. We're testing it in a few facilities. And you can watch the demo video of what it looks like on our website. Uh, and then we have another program called SavePoint, where we're installing these like high-tech vending machines in hospitals. And um, kids, when they're done with treatment, will be able to go up to the machine and collect toys and fun swag items from some of our industry partners. So um, that one is more of like a, uh, a way to give kids sort of a sense of encouragement and inspiration and, and just like a little bit of fun while they're leaving the hospital, um, but in a way that's like super high tech and can kind of serve as like a distribution hub for, you know, uh, various partners who want to get involved and, uh, you know help bring some fun into people's lives. So like a those little are our souvenir on your, on your way out. So to yeah, speak. it's like, you remember going to like the dentist office, right. And they'd have like, I don't know, my dentist, they had like a little uh, toy chest and you could like pick out a prize, you know, when you're done having your teeth cleaned, it's kind of Man, something I'm, like that, a little more. A little no more dentist attack. I ever went to, but <laughs> really that's disappointing. I'm sorry. I, my dentist had like this big plastic tooth and you could like put your hand in and it's just like random, like oh, crayons so cool. and like, yeah, random things that kids could take home. Um, um, or if you go to the bank, right? Like the bank used to have like, well, I don't know. My, my bank would always have like a little candy jar, you know, and like I think my parents would like go in and deposit check and I'm like, all right, I'm following along. And the candy is like to keep the kids happy. So I was looking forward to that. That was my favorite Yeah. Part. You know, my, my bank had a, uh, if you like deposited money with your parents, or even if you opened up your own like kids account, they would give you like coupons for like Baskin Robbins and like different ice cream places and stuff. Sign me up. I'm very pro ice cream. Yeah. That's, that sounds great to me. (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah. So, I mean, then we have our gamers for giving event as well. So yeah, I mentioned this in in kind of our origin story segment. Uh, Each year we host this video game tournament and we rent out a basketball stadium uh, people bring their own computers, their own video game devices. We connect them all in a network and they just play video games for weekend. It's like a marathon, but for gaming, it's super fun. The last couple of years due to COVID it's only been online. So we've just been focused on the fundraising aspect of it, which is, uh, we typically reach out to friends who are streamers, content creators on YouTube, et cetera. 
and we'll invite them to uh, create or you know create fundraising campaigns and reach out to the communities and uh, generate monies and support of the work we're doing in hospitals around the country. So uh, that happens once a year. It's coming up. The next one will be uh, towards the end of March in 2022. And folks can, again, stay tuned to our website to learn how to get involved if they'd like to be a part of it. That is that is just great. Um, and, and Zach, you're on LinkedIn as well. Um, is it okay if we put your personal page in the description here so people can stay in touch with you? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Happy. Uh, LinkedIn is a great place to find me. Um, and also if folks want to reach out, uh, definitely feel free. Um, uh, and Twitter as well at Zach Weigel is uh, Twitter and LinkedIn are kind of my, my more active, like kind of public facing social platforms. Okay. Well, we'll definitely do that. So guys, links are in the description to all that. Everything you need to know is there. Um, this has been so enriching for me to, to listen to what you guys have to do. And hopefully it was for everybody listening as well. Let us know in the comments or reach out to us if you enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you guys want to hear more non-hotel industry examples of hospitality, definitely let us know. I had a lot of fun just kind of getting out of the normal hotel box today, especially with something that is relatively close to home for me. So Zach, thank you for your contributions to hospitality. Thank you for your contributions to, um, you know, making kids just less anxious, man, helping families and just being a good person. We really appreciate you. Hey, thanks Kyle. It really means a lot. And I've got a whole team not literally, but behind me here, you know, that is making gamers average possible. So they deserve a ton of credit. And, um, you know, again, as gamers, we're, we're grateful to do this work. We're very thankful for all the support of the community. And, um, it's, uh, it's just a matter of trying to build a world where one day we'll all look back and ask, remember when hospitals didn't have video games? <laughs> and I think we'll get there for sure. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the show, Zach. We'll see yeah, you of course, time. Kyle. Take care. Thank you for making it to the end of the podcast. Your support means the world to us. If you are enjoying our podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share with someone that you think would benefit from our content. We drop new episodes every Tuesday from different hospitality professionals globally. So please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Hospitality MD has decided to join Gamers Outreach in their fundraising efforts. On October 15th, Hospitality MD and some of our hospitality peers will be going live on YouTube, playing some video games to raise money for a go-kart. Our goal is $3,500 and we need your help to reach it. So please mark your calendars, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and be ready to have a great time raising money for a great cause. And if you cannot make the live stream, you can still help us get a head start by donating at the link in the show notes. Every dollar helps brings us closer to relieving anxiety for a child that is hospital bound. Thank you, and we will see you next week.